Okay. You see, I'm finding the place in the Bible before I tell you. I'm finding the place in the Bible before I tell you. This is really unfair, isn't it? I'm going to get there, and then I'm going to say, would you turn to? No, I won't. Turn to the book of Hebrews. See, I have already found it, though, so there we are. It was very wrong with me. We started looking in the book of Hebrews last time I was speaking, and I just feel God, God wants us just to launch into what we're going into next. We just, I've kind of had a sense of that as I've been preparing, but just listening to what's coming out in the worship today, we just want to, come on, let's go, let's go for it, let's get after what he is doing. I think that will come out in what we're going to see here. We looked at the first four verses of chapter one last time. Primarily, we're going to look at the first four verses of chapter two this time. But we're going to read from the beginning of chapter one. So be prepared for a, for a few verses of reading. Because it's all kind of tied up and kind of a, in the first sentence of chapter two, we get a big therefore. Uh, hang on, what went before? What, what, what is this because of? We're going to be looking at it all. But we're going to focus on chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. But I'm going round in circles. Let's read from chapter 1, verse 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding... And every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How should we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? 
This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay, so the author of the Hebrews, he starts off with this big, wow, look at Jesus. Look, God has spoken through the prophets. Now, now he's spoken by his son. His son, who is appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. The, the, ra- the very radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The one who sustains all things by his word. Look, this is Jesus. And that first four verses that we ended with last time ends with this, that Jesus is superior to the angels. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then the rest of chapter one's kind of going on to, to kind of flesh out that statement. He's kind of, it's kind of all about, well, well, to which angel did God say this? But no, he, did, he said it to Jesus. He said it about the son. Well, to which angel did he say this? No, he says this about the angels, but Jesus, his son. He goes on. And then we cut back in, in chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay more careful attention to what we've heard. In a sense, he's built up, look how big, how amazing Jesus is. Therefore, we better listen to him. We need to pay attention to what he has said. In a sense, like in... uh, That was really good. I've referenced something and I haven't told myself where it is. It's in the Gospels. It's the Transfiguration. It's verse 4 of one of the Gospels. (laughs) I'm not a guess. I think it's in Matthew. Come on. Come on. Anyway, someone will find it. Anyway, Peter, James and John go up the mountain with Jesus. And Jesus is transfigured before them. His face is shining like the sun. His clothes are white as light. And then Moses and Elijah appear. And... Peter, he's always ready to help. He cuts in. He says, oh, Lord, it's good for us to be there. This is verse 4 of chapter something. Sorry? Matthew 17. Get in. Matthew 17, verse 4. Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But then, verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So in a sense, the writer of the Hebrews doing a similar thing. He's saying, come on, this is God's son. Listen to him. Therefore, we must pay careful attention to what we've heard. Because God's spoken by his son. But there's kind of, there's a bit more of a point being made. What's the, what's the point of this Kind of several, several verses of comparison of Jesus and the angels. He's already said, Jesus, God's son. Listen to him. But there's this big comparison. No, but Jesus is so much superior to the angels. And in a way, perhaps it can be a bit odd to us. We don't tend to focus a lot on angels. We can, we can kind of disregard angels a bit. And so for us, actually, this passage first and foremost, can be a bit of an encouragement to us. Actually, look, the angels are real. The angels are real. There are angels. Look, 
God says to the... God says to the angel, of the angels, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. His angels are powerful. He sends them out. It's God's messengers. And we see throughout scripture of, of experiences of angels coming. We see a couple of examples in the book of Daniel. Of angels providing great assistance to people following God. Then I've got to find Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. And you hear Nebuchadnezzar say this. 6 verse chapter... Not... 3 verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he says this, look... I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And then later on, when they come out, in verse 28, verse 28, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. In chapter 6, Daniel's thrown into the den of lions. And we see in verse 22, the king, King Darius had gone to the, gone to the lion's den. Daniel, are you there? Are you safe? Daniel replies, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. And on and on. We saw in Exodus 33, God wanted to send them with an angel. He got fed up with the Israelites and said, no, I'll send an angel in front of you. And the angel will wipe out all the people in the way. He'll bring you into the land. The angel will do it. In that case, Moses said, no, no, we're not going unless you're going. But God could have sent an angel. And the angel could have done amazing things. And we see in familiar stories, Gabriel coming to Mary proclaiming that Jesus was to be born, proclaiming that she was going to give birth to a son. And then we see, as referred to in this passage in Hebrews, that the angels worshipped Jesus when he was born. We saw with the shepherds out on the hillside, the angel appears to them, tells them of Jesus being born, and then there's this whole host of heaven worshipping. So angels are very real. And angels are here. We see in verse one, in chapter one, verse 14, in this, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? They're here. They can help us. God's messengers. But, but why this focus on angels here? Why this focus? It can be helpful for us to remember them. But why? Why is this this big focus? And actually it becomes clear in chapter two, verse two. So we've got to pay more careful attention so we don't drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding. Okay, well, what's this about? The message spoken by angels. And actually what, what the guy is speaking into here is that they would have held that the law was given through angels. The law that Moses received on Mount Sinai was given and mediated through angels. We see that in Acts 7 
Stephen is speaking. Acts chapter 7 and verse 53, he's speaking when they've, when they've got him up in front of the Sanhedrin. He finishes with this in, the, in chapter 7 verse 53. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. So, you know, they've received the law was put into effect by angels. And Paul, Paul also refers to it in Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 19. He's talking about comparing, he's talking about the law. He said, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. But then this, the law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. Again, there's angels involved in giving the law. And this is the point that the the writer to the Hebrews is making. I'm going to put it to you that in one respect, he is, challenge, he is countering, one, in one aspect, the greatest challenge the gospel could ever have. Because when you, when you see that the law was given by angels, or given through angels, or somehow mediated through angels, God speaking through his heavenly messengers, then you could put this case, and this is probably what the... the, the the first readers of Hebrews were facing. This case coming from the, the, the Jewish believers around them was saying, look, we're going to trust the law. We're going to trust the law that was given through Moses, given, but given by the angels. God's angels. Look, these are messengers with real authority and clout. Come on. This is God's, God's angels themselves came and gave the law to us. But who's this Jesus that you're turning away to? Who is it? I mean, look, look, we've got a message that was given by angels. What, I mean, what on earth can trump that? The angels gave us the law. So in one sense, this is the greatest challenge that could come to the gospel's authority. In effect, if Jesus is just some man who's come and given a message, if Jesus is just, just a guy who's who's proclaimed some stuff, and this stuff that we're supposed to pay more careful attention to, what we've heard, if he's just a man, then we're going to believe the angels, thanks very much. It's a really credible challenge. There's credibility in it. God's spoken by his angels. It's going to take something to top that. And so the author's stressing the point. Look, Verse after verse, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. To which of the angels did did God ever say, this is my son, this is my son? The angels, yes, they're powerful. They're they're incredible messengers of God. They're, They're wonderful. But he doesn't say to them, your throne, O God, will last forever. talks of the, angel, the angels are God's servants. God's servants who, who minister. And ultimately he doesn't say to them, God doesn't say to them, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. No, the angels are still out and about helping. The angels are still serving those who have inherited salvation, are inheriting salvation. So he's saying he's labouring it on and on, but he's making that point that he first made. 
Jesus has become much superior, as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And that's the point. Angels. Angel. Messenger. God's messengers. Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. Son of God. God's son. He's been building a picture how great Jesus is. And this is his point. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than them. Whatever you throw at you could say, yeah, the law was given by angels, but Jesus is greater. This message we've received, Jesus is greater. It's come from an even more, if it can be, credible source, an even more authoritative source. God hasn't just sent another angel. He hasn't sent another prophet. He sent his son. And so this great challenge, it just falls flat. It falls flat. And that can be, it can be a great encouragement to us today. Actually, the point is, these Jews who came, they had a good case. Look, we have a message that was given by the angels. People will come against us. People will come and say, look, come on, the science adds up. Look, I come with the authority, science says, well, I can prove this and that and the other. Or it could be someone, great leaders can speak. High profile celebrities can speak and say, but they don't have the authority of God's angels. They don't have the authority of the message that, that, that was coming as a challenge here. The law was brought by the angels. Ooh, that's, that's tough. That's a big, that's a big challenge. No, no. Jesus is even greater. Jesus is greater than that. So any challenge that comes to us, actually the source of our hope, the source of our hope is so much greater. Look, he has the authority. He is mighty. He is the son of God. So he's countering a great challenge, but it's no challenge to Jesus. If Jesus, perhaps if Jesus couldn't stand up to this, then yeah, okay. Yeah, the message of the angels, okay. But Jesus does. He is so much greater. So in light of that, Jesus is that much greater. Jesus is that much better. He is the son of God. What does he say? Therefore, sorry, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Okay, so Jesus is greater, Jesus is better, and this can almost come across as sounding, okay, Jesus is greater, therefore, oh man, wow. It comes across as really, it, it can come across as really heavy. We must pay attention. So we don't drift away. The message of the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience brought its rightful punishment. Therefore, if we ignore, there can be no escape. 
And it can kind of come across as, okay, well, the angel said something. It's almost like, if my boss says something to me, I better get on and do it. That makes sense. My boss has told me to do something. I'll get it done and I'll get it handed in. If his boss or his boss's boss or his boss's boss's boss or the, or the kind of owner of the company comes and says, look, I want you to do this now. Okay, right. This is a, this is, there's, a, there's something bigger here. It can kind of come across as that kind of thing. Okay, your boss has been telling you to do things and now the big boss has come in. And in a sense, in a sense, there's an aspect of that. There's a sense, look how important this is. Look how important it is. But what is it that's important? What is it pointing to? This great salvation. This great salvation. There is a comparison of messages of kind of, okay, well, if the angel said this and it was binding, then we really better listen to what Jesus says. But what is it that's the message? What is it that he's highlighting? He's, he's kind of using this negative, sounds negative form of a sentence to just highlight how great it is. Can we see it? How great the, the gospel, how great Jesus coming, Jesus paying the price, Jesus making a way, how great this salvation is. Let's look at it. The angel's message was binding. It was. It is. The law is binding. But what we see is the law shows us the problem of sin. The law shows us. The law is binding. Every punishment received, it's just, every disobedience received, it's just punishment. It shows us how how bad sin is, how, how stuck we are in sin, how, how we can't get out. As Paul said in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And then he goes on. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what's he saying? Look, the the word of the angels was binding, the law was binding, that we But now, but now look at this great salvation. Look at it. Can you see? We were so stuck. The law is binding. We're we're stuck in sin, and yet now there is a way. Now there is a way. Look at this great salvation. In a sense, the statement, how should we escape if we ignore such a great salvation, becomes entirely common sense. It's it's like, oh, wow, there's a stark warning. But it is, it's a stark warning. But the law is binding. The The word the angels gave, it's binding. Every disobedience receives its just punishment and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Therefore, if we ignore this great salvation, what escape can there be? And it becomes the kind of, this sense of, we, we were down at uh, Nikki's mum and dad's over Christmas, and there was, there was a power cut at night. There was a power cut, and it was utterly dark. We're out in the country, there's no street lights, it's the middle of the night, there's a storm outside, it's, we couldn't see anything. And I think Andrew woke up. It's like, I can't see anything. I really can't see anything. You, couldn't, you can't see anything. And Nikki's dad was up with a torch. How much light would I have had if I'd, or Nikki would have had, in fact, if she'd ignored his offer of the torch? How much? None. None. It's stark in a sense, but it's, look, I'm giving you the torch. That's light. But the whole focus of this passage is to turn our eyes again to see, look at this great salvation. Look, it's, it's a kind of wake up. It's saying, look, we need to pay careful attention to it, but look how great it is. Look how incredible it is. Look, look, now Jesus has come. There is righteousness through faith in him. Can we understand how great it is? Understand how precious it is? This message is brought by the Son of God himself. As Ginny reminded us this, this morning, that, that sense of, this isn't just what Jesus has said. Jesus is the first and last word. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, come down. And in a sense, can we ever understand it? Do I completely understand it? No. How can we ever know how much it cost? As Sarah was saying, he sees the depths of our hearts so much clearer than we can. And therefore, look at how great this salvation is. We can't even get to the bottom of it. We were, we were all lost. We were all sinners. And yet, there is a way. Yet, there is a way. This salvation is so great. There is no hope without it. He is our only hope. So in a sense, it's out of that that the author calls us. We need to pay more careful attention to what we have heard. We need to look at this. We need to understand. We need to see how precious it is. How wonderful it is. How incredible it is. And he goes on. He goes on and shows us we can be sure. We can be sure of it. End of verse 3 into verse 4. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So he's saying... Jesus, he has the authority. He is, he is such, an incred, such a credible source. Such, a, in, such an amazing God come down to us. He first announced it, but also we've heard. We've heard. So for these initial believers, early believers who are he, hearing this, 
It sounds like they probably didn't hear it firsthand from Jesus, but they had it confirmed by those who did. And like them, we can stand in that position. We didn't hear it direct from, from Jesus in his earthly body, standing on earth, talking to his disciples. In fact, we haven't heard Peter or James or John or, or Paul or whoever. But we can see and we can hear their testimony. It's showing, look, this has been confirmed and confirmed. Look, it's been... We've heard it. We heard it from Jesus. We've heard it from the apostles. We've heard it from those who heard it. And God's confirmed it. We can see those testimonies in scripture. We can see the apostles and what they, what they said, what they did. We can see Jesus' words. But also we've heard from many expounding this truth. People who have caught hold of it. People who have caught hold of it and have proclaimed it. Many of us would have had for me, over different numbers of times a chance to hear Arnold expounding this truth, proclaiming it, living it out. We've heard people like Terry Virgo proclaiming this truth. Many may have heard evangelists like Billy Graham or, or Adrian Holloway or different people at different places, whoever it may be, insert any number of names. People have declared this truth. They've heard it. We can be sure of it. Many of us, like Timothy in Scripture, may well have had it communicated to them, that sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother and in your mother. And passed down, we've heard. We can be sure. This message that came, Jesus came, has been, has been passed down. We've got the, the truth in Scripture, but we've heard many people proclaiming it and describing it. We can be certain. We can be sure. And we've seen the signs, the miracles, gifts of the Spirit. We see those recorded in Scripture, but we see the work of the Spirit amongst us. We see it. We've seen people healed. We've seen people set free from different situations. We've seen people's lives turned around. That's the point. This message is so great. This message, this truth is so great. And yet, this is his point. We must pay careful attention to what we have heard, that we do not drift away. Because it's so easy for us, even on that point, we've seen signs, we've seen wonders, we've seen people healed. And yet people can still come and say, oh, what, there's nothing in that. There's nothing in it. What are, you, what are you believing that for? It doesn't work. There's nothing in it, no. No, we've seen it. We've seen it happen. But in the moment, we can so easily, if we're not paying careful attention, we can say, oh, no, I know. When I prayed, it didn't happen. Nothing happened. Oh, mate, oh. And doubts can creep in. And, and that's the point of this whole passage. So look, look, this message that you've received, this Jesus who has come among you, this Jesus that you now have relationship with, Pay attention. That, we don't drift away. It's interesting that he uses that turn of phrase. That it's kind of like, yes, pay attention, look. This great salvation. How amazing it is. If we ignore it, there's no escape. But pay attention so that you don't drift 
slipped away. It kind of, it has a different kind of flavour, a different feel. It's that kind of hard-hitting, pay attention, come on. But you don't drift away. But that's it. In a sense, this isn't a kind of gripping, shake you, look, you could be cut off. He's not, he's not saying that. He's not bringing this kind of big, kind of, in this sense, it's not a big kind of, look, pay attention, otherwise God's going to have nothing to do with you. No. He's exhorting us, pay attention, that we keep looking at him. That we keep building on our relationship with him. That we keep going after what we have heard. That we keep seeing it. That we don't drift away. That we don't drift like the, the guys here were in danger of doing, drifting back into legalism, drifting back into, oh, actually, maybe we should still be looking at all the things in the law and making sure we follow them all, that that's the way to God. That's what it is. We need to, we need to tick off all the boxes that we must, we must do it. We could drift the same. That we don't drift into fear. We want to fix our eyes on Him. That actually, we can still go on in faith because we're confident. Look, this is Jesus who's spoken. This is Jesus who's come. This is Jesus who we're trusting. So we need not fear. So we don't drift into wrong beliefs or lack of faith or so that we're not swayed by the differing opinions that can come. Look, Jesus has got more authority than any of them. And Jesus' message is the truth. Look at this great salvation. Keep going. We are lost without it, without him. And yet, in him, we have life and hope and a future. That's why we should pay attention to what we've heard. Pay attention to it. Keep remembering. Keep coming back. Keep focusing on him. For us today, we're launching into three congregations. We're going forward into something new. There's, there, there can be, there's excitement. There can, be, there can be trepidation. There can be anxiety. Let's fix our eyes on him. Let's keep remembering as we go in, Jesus. Jesus is leading us forward. Jesus is the one we're hoping in. Jesus is the one we're trusting In a sense, for some, there is, this is intended as a wake-up call. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, look, pay attention to this. Don't just think it's something that you can kind of treat as, well, we can listen to the message of these guys and we can listen to this and we'll kind of blend them together and kind of drift along. No, no. Pay attention. This is the message. Jesus has come. Jesus is the one to hope in. It's a kind of wake-up call to pay attention. Let's deal with anything else. Let's deal with it. Anything that crops up, whatever we're facing, whatever doubts that can rise up in us, whatever situations we can be seeing around us, whatever doubts and sin are threatening to creep in, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. By paying attention to what we've heard, 
by paying attention to him, by letting him be our whole focus. Because if salvation is so great, how could it be that we could focus on anything else? How could it be that we could think, and yet it's so easy for us to think, I could have both. I can follow Jesus, but I'm pretty sure Jesus doesn't want me to have this, but I could kind of do both. I think Jesus is telling me to go this way. I'm going to follow him, but just on this area, I think I'm going to listen. Surely God couldn't want me not to have that. It's so easy for things like that to crop up that we're thinking, no, I I don't know what to do here. I've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision. I think God's saying, I should go this way. But I want this so much. I want this so much. It can come up in any numbers of ways in our life, in terms of relationships or moving or new jobs or whatever it might be. It can be in all sorts of things. And we can kind of dread it. We can kind of build it up in a kind of, well, surely in the grace of God and in, in the freedom that he's given us, surely he wouldn't want us to go without. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to go without. But then surely, surely I should go this way and, and have this relationship or have this new job or move away to a place where I don't really know what churches there are and I don't know what, I, I'm not really paid much attention to that, but this job's amazing or whatever it may be. I can do that, and, but I'm still following God. I'm still following Jesus. Surely that's the best that he wants for me, that I can have the best of this and the best of following him. But the truth to us is, that isn't better. That isn't better. To have, to have all of this and to hold on to Jesus, it isn't better than saying no to that and following him. It looks like it. It can look like it. I want to follow Jesus. But on this, I'm not really paying attention. I'm kind of, I'm going to take this too. And surely I can have, I've got both then. It's even better. No. No, it isn't. It isn't. So in a sense, there's a wake-up call to us. A pay attention. A, a, maybe it's not a wake-up call. Maybe it's just a, okay, those niggling things that have been going on. Let's deal with them. Let's pay careful attention to him. Let's have everything focused on him. Not as a kind of, we need to, we need to cut it out because that's the rules. That's what it is that, oh yeah, we don't want to have any fun and we don't want to have this. No. Because actually the best is to focus completely on him. To pay complete attention to him. Yesterday, I was just reminded of this. I took some stuff to the tip. And we had, we'd had, Mike Ashes came in, did some work in our house, and so we had a few bits of plasterboard outside. Thank you, Mike. It was fa- it's fantastic. And uh, where am I going with that? I wanted to thank Mike. I didn't want it to sound like Mike, of course, there's a problem, which he hasn't. Um, anyway, thank you, Mike. But anyway, we had he didn't cause us a problem because that's not the point. But we had we had a few bits of plasterboard we needed to get rid of. That was right. Also, there's, there were some leaves lying around in the garden that were just a pain. We needed to get rid of them. And we had some boxes that are broken in the move, and we need to get rid of this cardboard. And to be honest, to be honest, and me more, much more than Nicky, I could have lived with it. I could have left it there. 
It could have said, it's not really causing a problem. It's fine. There's nothing, there's no problem with that. There's a few bits of plasterboard outside the back door, but there's loads of space out the back. And they're, well, they're quite tidily stacked up against the fence. And those leaves, yeah, they're gathering around the bottom of there, and they're all dead, and they're horrible. But yeah, again, well, it doesn't really matter. And they're kind of hiding a bag of rubbish that the previous owners left. But well, maybe we should get rid of that as well, yeah. Those boxes, yeah, well, that attic room's really big. We can just put them in the corner. It's fine. doesn't matter. But actually, we got rid of it. It feels good. It feels good. It's cleared out. It's gone. There's not these lingering things of, oh, well, we've got to deal with that at some point. We've got to deal with that. It can be easy for us just to hold on to these little bits and pieces. Some habit that we think, well, it's all right. It doesn't matter. It's not causing me any problem. I'm still focused on Jesus. Whatever it may be, don't let it stay. Don't let it stay. Take it to the tip. Because it, it is going to cause a problem. And it easily can find that actually this is the point. Pay attention so that we don't drift away. I'll let that stay there. Well, hang on, I didn't think we had about, I didn't think we had 20 pieces of plasterboard in the garden. I didn't think it filled the whole patio. I, I, I can't get up the stairs into the attic. There's so many boxes around. What's all that about? Where are all these leaves coming from? We've only got two trees in the garden. We can easily drift. Can easily drift to build up. If we do, just let it go. 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 Oh. Deal with it. Deal with it. Pay attention to what we have heard. So encouraged by what came through the worship. God wants to bring freedom. He wants chains to be broken. He wants to, wants to remind us, this is perfect redemption. This is perfect redemption. This is a great salvation. It's not partial. We haven't got to add bits to it. In the light of this great salvation, in the light of how incredible it is that we who all had sinned and fallen short. We were completely lost. Just at the right time, Christ died. This great salvation, Jesus came. He's brought us in. So in the light of that, let's continue to pay careful attention to what we have heard. To give our focus to Jesus. To give our focus to him. As we go forward... To understand and realize it's all true. It's true. Jesus has come. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God. And he died and he rose again to take our punishment, to take our sin so that we may come into relationship with him, that we may be free from all that held us back, that we may be free from the sin and the pit that we found ourselves in, that we've taken ourselves in too. Let's not settle for anything else than wholeheartedly going after Jesus, paying attention to everything that we've heard. Let's pray.